Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Mike Fitzgibbons, and this is The Story Fits, the cleverly named show. Thank you, Nick Yeager, wherever you are. The cleverly named show of for Mike Fitzgibbons, The Story Fits. There'll be a lot of stories this hour, and I'm here to talk about them. And I'm going to plug over and over the website, Good News Fits All. And when you're doing fits, please put a Z in there, Good News Fits All. Just like the story fits has the Z in it. My guest this evening, this afternoon, is Brian T. Campy, the principal at St. Gilbert's School in Grays Lake, Illinois. Uh, good afternoon, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. It was great of you to come over. I asked Brian to come over. As you know, my click in, my in is sports and and. Well, you know, I coached for a long, long time. That doesn't mean I know much, but I've learned a lot. Uh, and one of the things I've learned is, is youth sports feed, uh, teen sports feeds, pro sports, college sports, all sports. It all starts with youth sports. And, gosh, there's so much written and said, Brian, about the good, the bad, and the ugly of youth sports. And there's some schools, Catholic grammar schools especially, that do it wrong and or ineffectively. I don't like the word wrong, but ineffectively. And there's some schools that do it really effectively. And I've known for years that St. Gilbert's does it effectively. First, can we learn a little bit about Brian T. Campy? Uh, besides the fact that, you know, we shared, well, the term faculty members together at Conroe Catholic High School. For several years, yeah. Several? Yep. How many years were you there as a teacher? I want to say I was there 13 years before I moved on to St. Gilbert. You want to say you were there 13? or well, sometimes the years blend together. They do blend <laughs> together. And you've been at St. Gilbert's how long? Four years now. Four years as principal, and they haven't figured it out yet? Not yet. Okay, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Um, four years at St. Gilbert. So you've been in education 17 years? 18 years. 18 years. A year in public high school before I went to Carmel. Where did you go? Where, where? I, I didn't know this. Antioch Ante Ante High School for a year. Right you taught at Antioch yep. High School yep. and hopped in the car and drove south. Yep. Uh, not to knock Antioch, folks. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying. So then you got to go back to what is your alma mater, though, yes, isn't yep. it? And when yep. did you graduate from 1995. Carmel? 1995. 1995. Who was the campus minister? I want to say you were. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so Brian and I go way back. Yep. Uh to to so we know each other actually pretty well and and I'm glad I'm glad you're here though uh, and so you have a couple of children what three children three right? children of my own yep I have a seventh grader a third grader and a kinder a first grader and yeah. so and and they're involved and your seventh grader goes to Frasati yes yep I just had the Frasati eighth graders in today for an, a retreat oh yeah yeah it's over at Carmel we've had the St Gilbert's eighth graders of course in at Carmel so you know um. Turn and face, see. See, there's all kinds of moments, Brian. We're having a camera <laughs> moment now. Anytime, folks, I can get a camera and a microphone. <laughs> you know, well, I'm that just, is the truth, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I'm in heaven. And there's a microphone and <laughs> earphones on. I could just go all night, Brian. Uh, so, so let's talk about Brian, the the St. Gilbert's uh, sports program. Now, you've been there four years. You inherited a in that sense, a pretty good situation, mm -hmm. but you've done some nice things with it. And and uh, what I'd like to talk about, first of all, the overall program. Could you give us a quick view, like, uh, in what sports does St. Gilbert's compete? Yeah, we've got boys basketball and volleyball, along with girls basketball and volleyball. Um, we have cheerleading now. This started uh, last year, or this year was the first year. And then we do cross country and track. 
cross country and track. And it's cross country in the fall and yes, track yep. in the spring. Yep. And is that for both boys and girls? Yep. Uh, they're together. Yes. Yep. And so and 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 so let's see. If that's uh, in the fall, you have cross country, and in, in the spring you have track, and yep. then and then uh, when is volleyball in the fall or is yeah, it in the uh, girls volleyball in the fall, boys, boys in volleyball the in the spring, and then boys and girls basketball. You know, both winter overlap a little bit, but boys start end a little bit earlier, and the girls follow shortly after that. So it is kind of like high school in that yes, regard. Yes, yep. It it, it mm -hmm. mirrors high school. Yes. And so, how many? What's your enrollment at St. Gilbert's? We are four hundred and three students. Four hundred and three. So that's a pretty big school. Yep. And uh, and how many kids would you say are involve themselves in athletics? For, starting in fifth grade through eighth grade, I would say. You look at those grades, I would say probably three-quarters to 80 percent, if not more, are playing sports of some sort. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And so, well, that's just not happening <laughs> in yeah. a lot of places. Yeah. And, and so something's right there, <laughs> I would think, 75 to 80 percent. How many levels – so you're saying fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders yeah. get to play. Yeah. So how many levels, like, in each sport? Let's start with basketball. It's going on right now. So girls and boys basketball, what do you do with that? We've got one team per grade level right now, and then, you know, and that's pretty much just you know, strictly based on enrollment and numbers. Um, but, yeah, one team of each grade level for boy, one boys, one girls, yep. So when you say one team per level based on numbers, what you're saying, if there were more numbers, what would you do? We, in the past, you know, before my time, the school was big, and we would have you know, two sports teams per grade level. So you would go, to, and you would yep. do that in a minute, wouldn't you? Yep. You'd go to oh, another yeah. level. Yep. As I recall, they would do, they would, they would color the teams. Right. So it wasn't like an A and a B team. Right. It was a, you, right. you played for. They would have a blue and white team. Blue and example. white team. Yep. And it always amazed me because those kids were playing all the time. Yep. So now you have one grade, a team per grade level, just because of enrollment. But it's not because oh, we can only support one Correct. team. Yes, yep. Well, that would explain why you have yes, seventy-five yep. to eighty percent kids yeah. playing. Yep. See, to me, that's right there one of the secrets. Let's get them involved because, as I recall, when my own kids played, St. Gilbert's was certainly competitive. It's not like you're not competitive. Correct. Yep. So yes, they're yep. playing to win. But they're playing. Mm -hmm. Of course, yes. The, the, I think the hallmark of the program is that the kids, you know, something eighth grade changes a little bit based on the conference. But those fifth and sixth grade levels, equal playing time because you're really trying to teach them the fundamentals of the game, get them interested in the sport, and really see that you know they're still they're young, they're developing. You know, no one's expecting a fifth grader to become the next LeBron James. So you know, they're teaching the, about the sport, they're learning about the sport, they're developing the the coordination that comes with it, all those things that develop at that age is crucial to having them involved and really just having fun playing the game. So fifth and sixth is, is equal playing yeah. time. In seventh and eighth grade, you try to be equal as much as possible as well, but you know, and our coaches do a great job of equalizing the playing time, you know, but there's not the requirement from the conference that it has to be equal playing time, but they do a pretty darn good job of keeping them all you know, equal playing time. So there's another little secret. The conference of Catholic schools that you're in, yep. In fifth and sixth grade, has that rule, don't they? And I did a little looking into this. That's a rule. Yes. That yep. in fifth and sixth grade, they all have to play equal. That's yes. boys and girls, yep. correct? Yep. Hello. Hello. Something is going right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so do you ever run into the LeBron James seniors who want their kids to become LeBron, LeBron James and are, are upset that 
you know, why why is my kid only playing half a game? Yeah, so far in my experience, we haven't. No, I mean, I haven't, we have not had any parents that have come in demanding more playing time for their kid, uh, or upset that they're not playing enough. Or the you know the parents we have have been pretty positive about that. You know, or we haven't seen that overwhelming response of, well, my kid is better than everybody else's. You know, we've had one or two here and there, but overall. You know, you know, you diffuse the situation and you kind of move on. And, and the parents are really good about that. Well, then, so must be your coaches. And Without a doubt, yes. And so let's move on to that. So how does that work? Well, first of all, how does it work? Is it, are they, like, at the eighth grade level, is it a cut sport or? or no, no. So they no stay, you, you, you stay, you play. Yep, yep. Got it. And so, um, and, and so... You said earlier, you've mentioned to me, and I've heard this, that you bring in outside people at times for teams. Now, how does that work? Could you well, tell me in, that? in the past, when we'd have two, you know, if we had a blue team and a white team in, eight, in eighth grade, for example, um, the athletic director you know, has you know, his connections around the community from other sports and would have them, you know, coaches come in and kind of evaluate the, the kids during tryouts. And not to place you know an a team and a b team but try to evaluate the kids and set up the you know, the blue team and the white team evenly so that you know they have equal level of ability on both teams so that one team isn't you know that oh, all the good team players on this team and the other team but try to keep them equalized so that they are a balanced team so they're not coming out and thinking oh i didn't so make when team. it was blue and white it wasn't necessarily it really wasn't a and b correct right. they were both good teams yes yep i kind of remember yeah, trying to balance out the, t the talent so that you know because yes they might be playing more competitively if you will in eighth grade but we still want them to realize that you know just because you're in eighth grade now does not mean that you are at the pinnacle of your athletic career you know if you're going to keep on playing in high school you know and maybe going to college at some point in eighth grade this is not that the pinnacle this is not you know this is still supposed to be learning it's still, still supposed to be fun and so keep those teams balanced is a good way, I think, to alleviate those issues that, you know, kids not discouraged because, oh, I didn't make the A team, I'm on the B team, I must not be as good as those kids. To keep that, those teams, I think, balanced is crucial. Well, I remember because when my sons were playing at Santa Maria, you know, they only have one team and they didn't have enough kids, but they didn't have one team. But I remember they would play the blue and the white mm -hmm. team, and it was always – there was there was never much of a difference, right. and I and I thought I, I remember somebody telling me, well, they try to balance off it, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how they did it, uh, and yep. it's really hard to do. Oh yes, yeah. When you have, well, let's face it, you know, I'm not knocking parents. I was one of them, you know, parenting, mm -hmm. but when you have parents running, who's going to be on what team? It yep. would, it's tough, isn't oh, yeah, it? Yep. And so you just yes, you yep. alleviate what you said. You alleviate that problem completely by. Kind of farming that responsibility yes, out yep. to people you trust. Yep. Or your athletic director does. Correct, yes, yep. yep. So your athletic director does a great job at that because yeah. it's clear that St. Gilbert's does it like that. And, and, and uh, so, so uh, by the way, how many how many games does the principal have to make every year to? To, to play in? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nobody wants that. No. I try to get to, I mean, it, it's more and more challenging now having you know, kids of my own, obviously, and my seventh grader playing sports as well. But I try to get to the ones when I can, and you know it's always kind of fun when you know my daughter playing being at Frasati will play St. Gilbert at times, you know, in volleyball and basketball, and they show up at those games, and you know get the kind of the, the joking from the parents on both sides. Oh, who are you rooting for today? You know, so you know, kind of get that. So I kind of try to stay neutral while I'm there to the best that I can. You know, 
But, you know, I try to get to whatever I, as many games as I can. And, you know, like I said, unfortunately, you know, with schedules and meetings, it's not always the e best, easiest thing to do. But, you know, I try to get to at least a couple a year. So you go to, so you go, go to as many as you can. Yeah. So now the other sports, uh, basketball, obviously, in, in grammar school is the, is the crown yep. jewel. Yes, but yep. But goodness, no, it's not. I mean, volleyball, girls' volleyball's got to be big. And, yep. and so um, in the fall, it, you have cross-country and girls' volleyball. Now, how many, how many kids are out for cross-country? Quite a few. I mean, that's open to fifth through eighth graders. Um, depending on the number of kids, you might have a JV team and a, and, a v, and a varsity team, just the way that they break those up. But it, it's a very large number of kids that are going out for cross-country and track in the spring. I would say... You know, where our basketball program and volleyball programs are excellent, our, our cross-country and track teams are unbelievable, have gone down to state a couple of years in a row now to compete. And so they, they actually have a state meet for... For, for the track and cross-country, yes, yep. And so you have a lot of boys and girls running cr cross-country. Yes, yep. So running much faster than I ever could. <laughs> I, and you do quite a bit of running now. Uh, yes, I try to, yes, yeah. And so, do you ever do you ever get out there and run with the team? Running? I haven't yet. No, just because a lot of times their practice is right after school, you know. So they're you know dismissing at you know two o'clock and getting into practice right away, and then you know I'm just you know wrap trying to wrap up the day and get out of there by three thirty four o'clock if at all possible. That sounds like an excuse, Brian. <laughs> um, one, hey, I'm a busy guy. One, times. Come, on, <laughs> come on, one day you can't That's go the, out and run with the team. Well, I definitely thinking, can. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. I gotta get. And some now of it. if they're listening, I'm sure this <laughs> spring I'll be I'm, out. They'll be bugging me to be out there all the time. I'm thinking I gotta <laughs> get somebody over there to get you to run with the team one time. But, Maybe this yeah. this spring and track you could do it. Yeah. So when they run, do you know any? How far are they going? It, I think it depends on the season. And, you know, if it's track or cross country, obviously the distance are well cross country. Right. So yeah. what's it? What is it? Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not real sure the, what their what their distances are when they're running meets or for practice. But you know, when, they, when they're practicing, they're running laps around the school and the in the neighborhood behind the school because because, yeah, because you don't have a track. No, nope. So and then you have a track team that's very competitive. Yeah. Well, how does that work without a track? I think we have a lot of gifted students that are dedicated to the sport um some outstanding coaches as well that you know are runners in their own right and it just really brought that love of running to the students and i think you know that they don't necessarily realize that that loving that love of running now which makes them good athletes you know long term they stick with it and keep them as healthier young young people as well so okay coaches tell me about that how many people coach I, I would say the majority of the teams all have two coaches. Um, you know, as part of that is archdiocesan rules. We're having, you know, not having anybody alone with a group of kids. So two or three coaches per team. And the great majority, except for maybe one or two, are all parents. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. So, so and you know, and you ever have, do you ever have a problem filling the, filling the roles or? Every once in a while, you know, <clears throat> Excuse me. I know this year we were struggling to find a fifth grade uh, boys volleyball coach for this the spring, and you know, again, some you know emails going out asking for help, and then you start nudging people who you think might be good candidates for that, and, and more often than not, they will you know somebody will step up for it, and, you know, and then we'll you know have the athletic director available to help out. And in the past, um, I think it was last year we had a couple of Carmel students actually who came back as assistant coaches. Um, because the, their ages, but we're you know have a we're really coaching the teams and having another adult there just kind of as, a, as another presence in the building 
with them coaching, but those Carmel kids doing a lot of the coaching themselves. Yeah, that, and I hear, I, well, you know I hear a lot about that. That's one of the reasons I got the key about this. And so, okay, now we already covered the fact that, that you have that kind of positive energy is going to probably feed into a math problem that would equal a low <laughs> number of complaints yeah. Yeah. because the involvement, the possibility mm -hmm. of right. involvement is there. Yes, hey, yep. if you want to complain, hop aboard and help. Yeah, right? without a doubt, yes, yep. Yeah, and our and our good years, the good years we had at Santa Maria, I was going to poke fun at uh, the guy who coached <laughs> Michael, Tom Kelly, who's a good friend of uh, yeah, I think you taught some of the Kelly kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, I, but when they were when they were doing, it was a family atmosphere, and there was not much complaining yeah. whatsoever. It yeah. was just, you know, we were all in it together. Well, uh, yes, yeah. A and it seems like to me, every time I've seen St. Gilbert's compete, it's the same way. So, how do you do? How does St. Gilbert's do that one big problem in the winter of gym time? How do you do that? It's a challenge. Um, our our gym is also, you know, what we call the gym is really the parish center. So it's used, you know, not only by us for activities, but for all the other groups in the, in the parish. You know, we have, you know, Knights of Columbus using it for things, the religious education program using it for things, youth ministry, the teen ministry. You know, so the, the oh, those darn really campus <laughs> ministers. You know, those campus they, ministers, they get in the way all the time, yeah, don't they, they? They try to, yeah. But, yeah, you know, but they're also a really pretty easy group to work with. You know, they're very very considerate of others. <laughs> Gee, really? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a challenge, you know, trying to find time. You know, before my time, they were renting out gym space at other facilities. And something that we've tried to go get away from, if at all possible, just because it does cost money. You know, you're looking at, you know, the fees you're charging for the students to play sports. And then, you know, do we really want to be renting space in other facilities? So we've kind of gotten away from that. The parish is really good about helping us, you know, get as much gym space as possible. But there's always challenges. Like, you know, this year at the beginning of the year with the rains that flooded, you know, the, the flooding rains that we had, the, the old church, the chapel hall flooded. And so where they use that for a lot of meeting spaces, while that was being repaired, they had to move those groups to other spaces. So some of those spaces were the pair center. So that, you know, took up some time that coaches would have. But they overall, <coughs> excuse me, the coaches have been, and the athletic director as well, very creative about trying to schedule times. You know, okay, we have an hour opening here. You know, who wants to get in for the gym for an hour? You bring the curtain down and separate the gym into two halves, which is not ideal, but... You, know, you do what you have to do to get that, that time in the gym practicing. So they get to do that. <clears throat> uh, you know, here's, the qu here's a question that I think a lot of people think about, especially with Catholic schools. Uh, what about eligibility? What happens? What, how, what makes, okay, I'm Mike Fitzgibbons. I'm a sixth, seventh grader on the uh, basketball team, or the track team. Yep. What do I have to, what would make me ineligible? Well, we really have two different aspects of it. You know, we look at the grades, you know, having that C average or whatever or, or so in, in sport in, the, in your core subjects, but also their conduct grade. You know, if they're getting in trouble in class, you know, that may make them ineligible as well because we want to teach not only is, is the academic aspect the first thing. You know, you're in school to be a student. That, that's, your, that's your career right now is, is being a student. But second with that is, you know, we want to have good athletes out there and good young people. So if you're you know, messing around in class or causing trouble in class and, you know, you know, coming to see me in my office for, you know, usually not good things, 
then we, then we've had that conversation as well. You know, if you're getting into trouble, there has to be some consequences. And for some of the students, you know, athletics is a consequence. So I can be ineligible either from grades or from conduct. Yes, yep. And how long are you ineligible for? Like a week? About or? a week. You know, watch and then you know, keeping an eye on their grades and you know, and if it's a conduct issue or discipline, you know, see watching the behavior in class. You know, being in you know, close contact with the teachers. You know, how have they been this week? Are they, you know, trying to make improvements? Are they, are they getting, you know, if they're missing homework assignments, are they turning that in? Are they coming in for the help? Uh, well, then then eligibility. So that sets them up for high school, especially at Catholic high school, where that's eligibility good. is a big deal, too. Yeah. Well, that's really great. Uh, I think we're running out of uh We're running out of time in the first segment there, Brian. How about that? Wow, time flies when you're having fun. This is The Story Fits. We'll be back. Are you retired or new? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MAT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hi, my name is Nancy Martin. I invite you to join me for a free online course entitled to Consecration to Jesus Through Mary using the St. Louis de Montfort Charism and sponsored by Holy Apostles Seminary and College. You will learn about the misconceptions of true devotion to Our Lady and how she will lead you straight to her son Jesus in a short and easy way. We have rolling start dates throughout the year. For more information, email me at nmartin11 at sbcglobal.net. That's nmartin11 at sbcglobal.net. Enter into the spirituality of Pope St. John Paul II and Blessed Mother Teresa, who also consecrated themselves to Mary, by following the same method. God bless you. And we are back with the story fits. Uh, I actually wanted you to know, if you're listening, I chose that music. I was going to ask the same thing at the end. I, I, I figured you probably did, but you I know. chose it. Uh, Angela gave me some choices. Uh, none of them were good, and uh, <laughs> and, and now no, you're getting new music. No, actually, on. there were some really good ones, but I like that a lot. It just. Uh, and we're, so we're back with the story fits. Remember now, folks, uh, the podcasts for all my shows are on Good News Fits All. Uh, that, it's a really nice website. And I'm not saying it's a nice website because of me. As a matter of fact, if you want to it, there's a <laughs> very large picture of me, which you might no. want to ignore. Yeah. However, my daughter, Molly, who teaches at Stevenson High School and went to Carmel and Clark and is very talented. Mm-hmm. She has done just great work with the website. Oh, so wonderful. I'm plugging yeah. Molly. By plugging the website, because it really is great stuff. Yep. And the podcasts of the last few things we've done are on there yep. if you want to listen. We've had a couple other good uh, guests on and, and some great conversations. We're here today with Brian T. Campy, who is the principal at St. Gilbert's. And we've been talking about the St. Gilbert's sports program because, folks, you know what? Never mind where it's wrong or what gets done wrong. And, again, this show is all about good news. This is a good news situation. 75 to 80% of the students from 5th to 8th grade are in a sport at a Catholic grammar school. 
and they're having great experiences. That's happening at St. Gilbert's. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, it's just not happening everywhere. And, and to know that that's happening and still happening is a great thing. And I kind of knew that already, and now I've learned a lot more about it. And that's a great thing. And, and hats off to Brian and, and the athletic director and all of the great people who are volunteering to coach. Yep. And, yes, yep. and I've taught and worked with a lot of the uh, uh, students that have come over to Carmel from St. Gilbert's. And my hat's off to them because they're so well prepared for high school athletics, including with the last thing we talked about, the hardest thing maybe, eligibility. Yes, yep. But they already, I, I already know how this works. i got to do some things to do some things yep, and yep. some of the things I have to do are responsibilities because mm-hmm. if I don't choices have consequences and, yep. and isn't that one of the great life lessons oh, without that, a doubt. yes yep as mm-hmm. we're teaching edu- as educators yes. Brian mm-hmm. completely so here's Brian T. Camp who's coming off of 14 years in, in high school 13 at Car- Carmel Catholic and he becomes principal uh, of uh, really a really pretty large Catholic grammar school and and I know that you were chomping at the bit, nervous but but excited. I remember that. Yeah, yep. And you were okay. I can work with faculty. I can work with curriculum. I can work with parents. In the back of your mind, Brian, were you a little concerned about uh, big Catholic grammar school, lots of sports? What about? Were you concerned about the athletics? Of course. I mean, I think you know when you look at it being in the high school level, obviously the format is slightly different. Where you've got you know a principal and you have a full-time athletic director on staff. And those worlds, you know, come together some, but not as much as they might in a, in a grammar school where I go in and being one of the few, you know, the person, you know, worried about what's, what's this going to look like. And at this, I was pleas- pleasantly surprised. You know, the former athletic director had done a pretty good job with the program. And then the current athletic director has taken it to, you know, <clears throat> new levels as well. And I think, you know, just pleasantly surprised with the amount of work that they do to make the athletics one less thing that I have to worry about on a regular basis. Well, okay, so you know it's not going to be like the high school. Right. And you know it's all volunteer stuff. And so, you know, it's hard to let go mm-hmm. of a volunteer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But would you think that maybe this was going to be one of your biggest challenges? Were you were you that nervous about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, to an extent. I mean, I think I was a little bit nervous about everything going in. You know, you know a completely new role for me. But, you know, athletics in the back of the mind is something that you, you worry about because you know – you know, for a lot of parents, that is extremely important. And, and so you never know what kind of people you're going to run into when you're talking about athletics. But I have to say, you know, getting into St. Gilbert and the athletic program really, in a sense, runs itself. And that, you know, makes it so much easier for me and really pleasantly surprised by the amount of work that the parents and the volunteers put into keeping a successful athletic program running. Well, yeah, so... Sometimes, uh, you know, I remember working when I work with teams uh, on team building and, and lock-ins, and I'll tell them, you know, sometimes the best leader or the best example of leadership is knowing when not to say anything because mm-hmm. everybody's got something to yep. say. Yep. And so you come in as the principal, and, and it's got to be the hardest thing in the world not to say anything. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching a ship that's running well, you put your support where you need to put it. Yep. And let it run well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, Brian, that's wisdom itself, man. It's not getting, <laughs> that also yeah. isn't getting done in a lot of places. <laughs> places, right? Yeah. Yeah. The administrator that doesn't need to, to, to you know, be involved in everything. Mm-hmm. You, you're there. You're yeah. present. Yep. You're supportive, and and you, and the and the rules get followed. That's a that's a great way to look yeah, at my, it. My first year was a lot of listening. 
Oh. You know, a lot of listening to things and hearing how things are running. I didn't want to come in and just make you know, sweeping changes without knowing the culture of the building. So, well, And so you're going to do a lot of listening. Mm-hmm. But then yep. you didn't change a lot of things about the sports program. No, no. So you must, you must, obviously it was positive from yes, the yep. get-go, correct? Without a doubt, yes. Yeah, that's, a, uh, well, rah-rah St. Gilbert's. And you know, folks, uh, St. Gilbert's is not the only well-run sports program in Catholic Grammar School in in uh, in the Lake County area, and so, but this it's definitely one. And I what I wanted to do was get a guest on like you, Brian, to talk about the fact that it's being done well and effectively, and for fun for kids and educational for kids mm-hmm. in yes. places in Catholic schools. Yep. And I mean, we're about to enter Catholic Schools Week. I know we we have all kinds of things set yep. up for celebration. Do, I imagine yep. you do too. We do too. A week full of activities starting you know, starting on Sunday with open house. But but yeah, I really am surprised you didn't ask a great old speaker to come over and entertain. I, you know because uh, I've been over there a lot. But you know, I guess I'll be busy elsewhere. I will I will keep it on the in the books for next year. You know? maybe a little less expensive than the other surprise we have for the students <laughs> next week. <laughs> Oh, you do have a surprise. Yes, yep. I won't be asking about it. I will off the air, though. You know, um, part of the show, uh, Brian, is, um, and I want, I'd like you to stay with me during this, yep. if you would. I'd like to, I've been bouncing it off my other guests, and I think I want, my goal here is to keep them on during it while I do this. Uh, what I want, what my goal with the show is to start with an interview like this, a little bit sports-related, and then we move into the stories, because we are hardwired. For bad news, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, and you know it with all our devices and et cetera, et cetera. Bad bombarded, news, yes, yep. bombarded with bad news. When we were smiling before, when we listened before, what were we hearing about? This bomb going off there, mm-hmm. that happening yep. there, and and uh, although we did hear that beautiful thing about the forty thousand people in the rain in mm-hmm. per- Paris, in France, yes, uh, yep. pro-life people, that was a nice thing. But but otherwise, you know, you don't hear. You turn on the news and you just where is the good news? And it's there. And my life is certainly full of it. And I so really what I've done is started to collect good news. And I get it sent to me. You remember Father Glenn Snow. Oh, I know yes, you remember. Yep, yep. Well, had Father had Glenn teacher, Snow, yeah. he has a good news thing that he does every single day. I'm on his thing. Oh, okay. And then and then there's other people. And what I want people to do out in, their, in my audience, if, you know, there are good people listening, if you want to, my website, Good News Fits All, if you go on there, my emails on there michael.fitzgibbons at yahoo.com what i'd like you folks to do is send your good news stories love to read a couple every time i do a show want to tell a quick one i heard from a couple good friends of mine uh it's not a quick one but i want (laughs) to tell it anyway uh, because it's fascinating and it's absolutely wonderful uh got into a conversation about that world war ii generation and and you know uh, i'm my father Walked out of high school, joined the Navy to fight in World War II. Mm-hmm. I'm a classic baby boomer, and my dad, you know, fought in the Navy in, in the South Pacific. And so I've always been, he was a, a commander at a VFW post. I've always been fascinated by that. Uh, my best friend's dad was a, a, was a prisoner of war in the German prison camp. Uh, you know, I've been always fascinating with, mm-hmm. that, with that group of people. And so I was discussing this with a couple, and this guy's stepdad, and this is his story, and I'm going to tell it as quickly as possible. But he was a, he was a, a, a flyer, and uh, he flew a, a fighter plane. They, they also did a lot of strafing, and any of you know what that is, they would, they would attack uh, columns. Mm-hmm. 
And after and during D Day, he was he did three trips with a shot up plane, looking to help support the D, you know the, the American mm-hmm. troops on Omaha Beach. The next day, he had to use another guy's plane, June seventh, and he went beyond. And they asked him to go to a town that columns were headed toward. German columns were headed toward with tanks. So he's strafing the columns. The, the town people are watching it. He's strafing the columns. The plane's getting shot up. He gets wounded. The plane is shot up. He's going to turn around and try and make it back. to the o- It ain't going to make it. And he realizes the plane is headed right toward the middle of the town. So he sharply turns it to the edge of town and slides it on its belly in a cornfield. He falls out of the plane like you couldn't climb out in those mm-hmm. days. You know, he had to jump. Well, he couldn't jump out. He was wounded. Mm-hmm. And there's guys with guns there. And he looks and he goes, hand, hands up. He thinks he's being captured. There were French guys from the town that said, hurry. And they grabbed him. They brought him into town. They hit him for two days. The Germans are looking now house to house for this pilot. He's wounded. He's got to get to the doctor. The only place the doctor is is the Germans had the, the town bottled up because they were in control. They, he would have had to go past the German lines. Here you go about Americans. They got him dressed in French clothes. He's wounded. He's limping. But they couldn't find him any French shoes because of big American feet. So he's wearing his big boots from the from the Air Force, and he's going to get caught. And he's walking, and he's a half a block from the German line. And here comes a little 10-year-old boy in a bicycle. And he waves to him, and he calls him over and goes, American, bicycle. And he realizes he's telling him to ride the bike. Well, he rides the bike. Now he's wearing a beret and French clothes. They don't look at his shoes. They let him ride right by to the doctor. He gets mm-hmm. fixed up, goes back to the house. They take him out into the woods at nighttime, and they had these thickets, these thick thickets of woods. And they said, go in there. There'll be other Americans in there who have crash-landed paratroopers because the mm-hmm. invasion was going on. He goes inside. There's 150 to 200 American wow. soldiers in there. Wow. He gets saved. He wins a Purple Heart, a Silver Star, all kinds of awards. He goes home because he's shot up. War ends. Okay, raises a family. At age 80, his phone rings. And it's a French voice. And they say, are you so-and-so? Yes. Did you fight in World War II? Did you fly a plane? We found you. You found me. We've been looking for two years for you. We'd like to fly you and your family over. We have a celebration for our town. And you're a big part of it. You saved our town. Huh? They fly him over. They limo him into town. They have a bandstand up. They get him on t- stage. He, he, they want him to tell a story. He gets up to tell his story. He tells a story. He says, I, you know, I wouldn't have made it if the French people didn't take care of me. As a matter of fact, I was going to the doctor. This is the part where the story gets great. I was going to the doctor, and here's this little boy. He comes right now and gives me the bike. If I didn't have the bicycle, I wouldn't be here today. Out of the crowd comes a 70-year-old man. He looks at him and goes, I am the boy. Wow. You literally sends a chill up your spine during the story. Yeah. I heard, I, I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. And that's not the end. Then they part, they part the crowd. They put the bandstand up there. Right at the end of town is where he slid the plane. He looks chained off after all those years is the plane. The rest of the plane. They have it chained off, and it's a city. It's like Town Park. Named after him wow. in 1950. He had no idea. He had no idea. Yeah. They flew over, flew him over to tell him that. Is that like that the best story unbelievable. ever? Unbelievable, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like, I, I said when I heard it, that's better than winning the, winning yeah, the medals. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, for him, it had to be. I, I don't know what part is better, the park, because obviously that blew away the whole family. But to me, I am the boy. Because here's a guy who's 80. He would have been mm -hmm. like 20, 21, and here yeah. the kid was seven, 9 or 10 years yeah. old. Yeah. So sure enough, he's 70 years old. He remembers. And finally, they bring this guy back, and he gave him his bike when he was 10 yeah. years old. I am just... Yeah, there's a lot of good in the world there, oh, yeah. Brian. Yep. And that's and that's a, and there's a there's a story that kind of goes tells with that, and that's why I wanted to tell that one first. There's a guy named Bernard Darty, and I don't ever do names when I do these stories, but this guy's name needs to be said. He's a multimillionaire, a, a French multimillionaire in Paris. Uh, what you don't know is a, what people don't know is his backstory. He also has a condo in Florida, and that's an important part of the story. Uh, but he was born and raised in France. He's a, he's a Jewish man. And when World War II broke out, and here we go, France, and mm -hmm. they're deporting everybody into camps, he and his mother and father and sister hid in the outskirts of Paris for the entire war. I don't... I can't he, imagine. In reading about him, I don't know. He doesn't say how they did it. But they did it, and they lost everybody else in their family. Yeah. So the war ends, and he makes millions, millions of dollars. He hid with his mom and dad, uh, and he says the greatest day of his life was watching the American army come through, uh, down, you know, into Paris mm -hmm. and free and free Paris in 1944. Yeah. He says still the greatest day of his life watching the, the army go through. So after he makes his millions. He buys, he and his wife, they have a place, a villa in, outside of Paris, but then they buy a condo in Florida, and they go there. Now, you know, the world is the world. The way the way the people think Americans look mm -hmm. at French. Yep. Now, I was in France. I went to Paris. The, the people in Paris were so nice to us. I'm like, I thought the French people hated <laughs> Americans. And, the, yeah. and one of the waiters told me, no, that's the government and the press we all love mm -hmm. americans i know we know what you did for yeah. us blah 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 yeah. and that's the truth yeah. we had a guy show us normandy another frenchman he's like yeah the best people the best people that come over here the only people that ask smart questions are americans <laughs> so so he, he comes over to so he's he's a jewish guy and he's a frenchman and he buys a condo in a condo area you know people his age mm -hmm. i think he was in his 60s when he bought right. but and he was expecting, maybe unfriendly, and embraced him. Wait, World War Two? Oh, they wanted to hear his stories. Mm -hmm. They embraced him. It's like his now he's got two homes, and he says it's really a home, and we love going there. And he and I'm gonna get into it now. So it, it, he's like 83 now, and he's a multimillionaire. He says, you know, it's time I did something. So right before Christmas, he says, I'm giving back. He has a press conference. He donated a million dollars. To the American Wounded Warrior Project. A million wow. dollars. And his quote was, first they saved us, then they welcomed us. And, well, I, you know, yeah. I hear stories yeah. like that. I read, a st I read that and I looked them up and then I looked yeah. them up. So everything I could find on the guy. And, and the money's already in. And the Wounded yeah. Warrior Project is like, one of the best mm -hmm. things right, yes, you can do yep. for our for our veterans. Yes, yep. And and here's a guy who's really a, he's not a, really an American citizen. He's mm -hmm. a French citizen. Right. He's here. He visits. But uh, first they saved us, then they welcomed us. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 
and it makes me proud to be a human being. And, and the, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think Nellie's a good story. It's it's an important story because, like you said, you know the the human spirit element of it. That you know, no matter where you're coming from, there you know he's a French guy, French citizen, but you know a human being, and that's what connects all of us is that human nature of being together. That we are, you know, small specks on the earth. But every once in a while, we can go out and do something that makes a difference. And clearly, someone made a difference in his life, and now he's returning that favor. Yeah, and so you know you. I picked that up from somebody, of course, mm-hmm. that sent it to me. You wonder. I'm not. I don't like. I don't like this show to be critical at all. But right. you wonder why wouldn't that be a story to lead off, right? Uh, whatever news mm-hmm. show at 5:30 or whatever, you yep. know. And you just, it's not. Yep. We'll hear about all the wrong things that get done, but we and won't. This will be that little blurb at the end. Maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe that little happy, you know, laugh at you know, story that you at the end of the news sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what, and frankly, that's where this idea came from, yeah. this idea. So you're you're as touched by that. You know, after the break, and it's coming up, but I, I, I got one more quick thing to tell. I will, I'm going to ask you, Brian. So you've had a wealth of experience as a teacher now and an administrator. You've seen a lot of really neat things. And, and I'm sure every every teacher has war stories, so they all, and so do, so do mm-hmm. administrators. But I want to think of, think of it. Because we'll have a break, and what's Brian? T, what's one of the Brian T. Campy cool stories, if you could do uh, that? Yeah. All right, uh, and and I'm gonna do that. I, this is a decision I made. You're the third. This is a, a show three. Uh, well, Bob Lyman would tell a story about anybody, so he was on <laughs> last time. <laughs> Bob Lyman, <laughs> we had to pull the microphone away. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to tell a story, a, a, a Brian T. Campy story, because I got more stories that we're going to do in part three, okay? All right. And um, I'm hearing music. We're, we're going into the break. All right. Before we do, though, I'm going to really quickly say Good News Fits All is a website. It is. And my face is right there, Brian. And you can click on all kinds of Every things. Every website has its negatives, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> but one of the positives is you could send me a good news story, folks, and I want them. Just jot it down and send it to me. Well, don't jot it down. Type it. We'll be back. The story fits. blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. 
Guy Murphy with Totally Yours. And for all the listeners, I just want to really encourage them. Catholic radio is so important because you are our ladies' army. You're the one who has to evangelize the people in our culture today. And WSFI 88.5 is a great tool to nourish our vocation, nourish your vocation. So stay plugged in because they keep us updated on the current events and all the wonderful things related to our Catholic faith. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. I could listen to that music, well, for at least another half a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Fitzgibbon's back at the story. Fitz, my guest is Brian T. Campy, where we're talking about, first thing we're talking about was sports at St. Gilbert's, uh, where Brian is the principal, and we talked about the sports program there, and, you know, the very successful and wonderful sports program they have with over 75 to 80% uh, kids involved from 5th to 8th grade. That's amazing, and and. And not only involved, but involved in a positive way with a lot of people volunteering to keep it keep it rocking. And mm-hmm. Brian's, yep. Brian doing a great job as the principal there. Uh, and I would know that because he hires me often uh, to do retreats <laughs> and speak. And, you know, anybody who hires me a lot, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug. Uh, speaking of plugs, uh, well, uh, I was going to do a shout-out to uh, – Christina Paleo, she's our marketing director mm-hmm. at Carmel, and every every single football game, uh, Brian, I did a shout out to her because mm-hmm. she didn't like it that I was going to do a shout out to her, so I did that. So, so I'm going to do a shout out so to Christina Paleo. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, then this last segment, we got into stories a little bit, and we're going to get to one of Brian's in a moment uh, before we run out of time. But Brian, you know, I look around for stories that are, are different like those two I told about the World War II generation, and then stuff that happens here that just is, uh, you know, did you watch the the football games in the last couple of weeks? Everybody's watching the football games. I mean, Angela Tomlinson mm-hmm. here, they, she got, you know, Patriots stuff everywhere. If you don't, if you do not say anything bad about the Patriots brand on your way out, you might. I will try not to. Your car might not get out of the parking lot. Um, but, you know, this 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 New Orleans Saints punter got injured in the last in that game that they played the Vikings. Yep. He was injured. And and so the Vikings scored on that last play. And by rule, you had to have eleven guys show up so the Vikings could kneel on the ball because they had to have an extra point play. Well the Saints players all ran a locker room. They they're done. Well they needed to get eleven guys. So the punter, there's a great video of him injured coming back just to stand there and be on the field. Well, the Vikings fans saw it and knew he was injured, and the Vikings fans saw it and and were, like, blown away by it. They went on all these websites and said, did you see the punter? And they found out about him and that he's a big charity guy, and he has this big children's charity, huge, for for children's hospitals. Mm Mm-hmm. So they said, hey, let's get some money together and give some money 
to his charity on behalf of the Vikings in, gra- in gratitude for his classy show of sportsmanship. And his thing on the news was, you used to see this guy. He looks like a hippie from the 60s. He's great. <laughs> and he's like, hey, we had to have 11 guys. I just volunteered. I, all you got to do is stand there. I wasn't going to get hurt. But it was great. And he's got this great charity, and he's a great personable guy. Listen to what happens. So they put it out there, and they got about $5,000 in one the first day. Okay, long story short, it's a, over a hundred grand, And so he's blown away by this. So without the Vikings fans knowing it, he sets this up behind the scenes. Then he announces once it hits a hundred grand, uh, thank you for doing this. Oh, by the way, that a hundred grand is going to the Children's Hospital in Minneapolis, oh. St. Paul. He gave it back to Minnesota. Oh. My God. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would make him even think to right. do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, it is touching when you think, okay, they had $5,000 the first, you know, the first day, but then it was 25 grand. And then he sent out a, he sent out a thing. Hey, we reached 30 grand. And within six hours, it was 75 grand. It was nuts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're all Vikings fans. And then he gives yeah. the money back to Minnesota. I, it, you, you know, you hear stories like that. And that's, in a, again, there were a lot of great stories about the Viking game. That, that, mm-hmm. that played in that game was unbelievable. Oh, yeah, okay, yep. but are you kidding? Right, yep. And that story kind of got lost, I thought, in there. Mm-hmm. So who's clearly thinking about others before themselves. And Okay. <laughs> and then and then one that's close to near and dear to my heart, only because I think I've, I think I've had this moment. <laughs> It's a 23, 24-year-old guy living in Kenosha. I didn't live in Kenosha. But he was out late, and car wasn't working, and he smoked cigarettes. This just happened, by the way. He's a cigarette smoker, and he's out of cigarettes. Quarter to five in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep. All-night gas station, he starts to walk. And in his place is across like, the, where the water is up there in Kenosha. He's walking along There's a, the, the road is right there on the water, okay? And as he's walking, now it's quarter to five in the morning, it's dark, there's nothing around, it's pitch black, and he hears a moan. Then he hears another moan, he yells, is somebody out there? Now that to me, when I read that, I burst out laughing. I mean, that would be me. Is somebody out there? Like, what, (laughs) is that like a prayer? What, you know, is somebody out there? And then he hears another moan, and he recognizes the fact there's a human being out there. And so he hops over the side, and he's, looking and searching, he finds a guy. First of all, he saw a bike laying on the side, and he knew somebody fell off a mm-hmm. bike. That guy, there's a guy, and he's stuck halfway in and out of the water. He's in the water. But he's hanging on barely to, with his head above the water, and he's hanging on barely to ice, and he's, go, he's going. He's freezing. Mm-hmm. So he grabs the guy's under his back behind his elbow, and he pulls him as best he can, but he can't get him out. He just can't do it. It's too heavy. He's mm-hmm. wet. Yep. He calls 911. He has the, so he's laying on the ground. <laughs> he calls 911. He's holding the guy behind his elbow, and he's talking. You got to get her now. <laughs> they're like, where are you? He goes, neither one of us hold on well, much longer. He's, yeah. he's like, well, where are you? And he's like, well, I, you know, I don't know. I'm on the way. And he names yeah. the gas station. I'm on the way to the gas station. And so they show two police show up. They jump over the side. They pull him by the legs. He's got his hands. Now this guy can't hold on anymore with his hands. So he pulls him from behind the elbows. 
they can't get the two of them out. Oh my gosh. They called the. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the fire trucks, everybody in their all-weather all suits. They jump in the water, and they get both of them out. <laughs> and this guy's on the news. And if you saw him, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Me and, he's me and you yeah. at 23, yeah. Brian. <laughs> he's like, he's yeah. like looking. He had this look on his face like, what just happened? And he's like got a blanket on him. He's freezing cold. And they said, well, th this is an amazing story. He goes, you know, I don't believe in guardian angels, but my starter went out yesterday. If my starter didn't go out, I'd have driven to the gas station. I never would have heard the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was his conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't believe in guardian angels, but maybe, maybe. now he does. Yeah. And this guy, he makes it to the hospital. They said his body temperature was 85 degrees. He had, he had about, ready, 10 more minutes. Ten more minutes. If he even could have hung on that long. Uh, yeah. On that long. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Maybe he wouldn't have mm -hmm. made it that yeah. long. But ten more minutes tops to live before the firemen got there. It's hard. It's hard to think that he wasn't there for that reason. You know, the guy. You know, like you said, and maybe I don't believe in guardian angels, but it's hard to believe that there wasn't some greater force well, that put this. You know, does put does, it together. Yeah. Does the you know the old saying now? There's a Jewish maxim from from five thousand years ago that Yahweh is in the coincidence, and you know, you know the Almighty lives comfortably in human coincidence. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard that before, yeah. and every time I hear a story like that, yeah. and this guy was a goofball. He was mm -hmm. just walking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is me. From mm -hmm. twenty three to twenty three. <laughs> the only thing is, I wouldn't have known what to do. I would have heard. Yeah. I would have thought I was hearing voices yeah. and, and mm -hmm. just walked on. Yeah. But, but there you go. Have we have we gotten to the point? Can did you think of one? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. it's got to be a story now. Yeah, I, I always joke at with, with people that you know a day in the office. If I, if I no news is good news. No. And so you know, every once in a while that phone rings, and you wonder who it's going to be. And I think, you know. One that resonates with me is, you know, the student that was you know, always struggling, you know, academically, behaviorally, and people would just, you know, and, and I think you see these students all the time, and it only takes one person to have to believe it. I'm going to say, you know, you can do this. You, I know you're better than this. And to see them then turn it around, and to me, that's what makes this profession, whether it's as a teacher or a, a principal, you know, believing in the in the students, the faculty to turn around and do it. And I think that's you know that's what it is to me. You know, I see these students that come in, you know, kindergartners who are you know quiet and shy can be, but eyes wide open to the world. And then you see the eighth graders that sometimes aren't as cheery and happy, and you go and you, and you get to talk to them. And and one of the things that I enjoy doing is going up and you know sitting with the junior high students and just talking to them. You know, being that person. And you hear stories about them, and sometimes they're goofy things, but I think it's just, it's a refreshing, it's not one particular story, but just re refreshing to see their views on, on things. You know, get that perspective, and you know, that, that there is that sense of wonderment. So they may, they may be 13 years old and think they're the, they're the cream of the crop or the top of the top, but they still have this amazing sense of wonder, and to me that's what keeps, keeps me going. Well, it keeps you going, and, and, and having done the same things that... Uh, like similar things like you, it keeps me having that sense of wonderment. Yep. It keeps yes, me yep. having the same, you know, youthful 
mm-hmm. you know, zest for life. Yep. And I don't know that I would have it if I didn't have that almost daily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah, so yes, you yeah. go talk to the junior high kids. I go talk to juniors and seniors mm-hmm. or freshmen and sophomores. Or yep. I listen to my freshman religion class, and they say really funny things. And, yeah. and I'm like, really? Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah. But it makes me laugh because, yes, yep. you know, and so, uh, well, you know, we're getting music here, Brian. Oh. So, you know, it's really been great having you on. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Uh, if you want to see a podcast or listen, don't look at the podcast, Brian. Nothing will happen. But if you want to hear the podcast, you can go on the WSFI website. It'll be on there. Or you can go on, ready for this? Good Good news fits all. I've heard that. Uh, You've heard that? Yeah. Now, the fits has got to be a Z. Right. Good news fits all. It's a website. Please go on there. The Story Fits is the name of the radio show. Hope you enjoyed it, folks. We'll be back soon unless Angela tells me I'm out for good (laughs) or unless the Patriots lose, I might be out for good. Thanks again, everybody. Or as they say, so long, everybody. We are grateful for at least the following. God created a wonderful world in six days. Jesus died for our sins, including fumbles.